Welcome to Talos Takes, the quick take podcast where our researchers break down this week's hot topic in cybersecurity for everyone from the C-suite to the front lines. Hey everyone, this is John Munshaw again, joined by Edmund for Talos Takes Work From Home. Uh, Edmund, thanks for coming on again. Hey, thanks for having me. So today we are going to talk about Salfram, and I think I'm pronouncing that right, or Salfram, something like that, something close to that. Uh, and we are going to be talking about this new spam campaign that Edmund helped research and, and write about recently. So as always, you can check out the full details on the Talos blog. Um, but to get things started, Edmund, we called this Salfram because the uh, adversaries kept leaving this specific string behind and uh, in, in all of the spam emails that they were sending. So why do we think that that is? And, you know, was this just an accident? Do you think this is some kind of a calling card? You know, talk to me about that specific uh, strain of research, basically. Sure. So the reason that we called the uh, the cryptor uh, Salfram was because uh, part of the artifacts that were left over in uh, malware that we were tracking that were using this particular cryptor, uh, they left the string Salfram in the DOS stub of the actual executable itself. And it's unclear whether that was the result of them using the cryptor, as in it was done uh, automatically by the cryptor, or if it was something that they did manually afterwards. But it did provide a, a very easy uh, and effective way to track the malware that they were distributing over time. Mm. And when you say cryptor, um, what exactly is that? Is that basically just like the opposite of a decryptor, where it's the thing that encrypts your files? So uh, a lot of malware distributors will use uh, cryptors to obfuscate the contents of their malicious uh, executables. Um, so they'll basically take their malware and they'll run it through a program that's commonly referred to as a cryptor, and it'll spit out a brand new executable that's been completely obfuscated. And the idea is to uh, basically create malware that looks different from if you were looking at the malware itself without the use of a cryptor. It makes uh, detection and analysis more difficult, makes it uh, harder to identify the malicious characteristics because it doesn't actually get reverted into its malicious form until it's you know running on the system that's being infected. Mm-hmm. And then in this particular case, uh, what, what about this cryptor stands out to you? I know that this is something that we've mentioned several times throughout the post. Yeah, so one of the things that was really interesting was we analyzed samples that had been created using this cryptor over a pretty extended period of time, a period of several months. And what we found was that uh, executables were significantly different uh, across different samples. So um, a lot of the malware that was using this cryptor looked different sample by sample. So it's uh, clear that um, as you're using this cryptor, it's making decisions dynamically uh, that result in uh, significantly looking uh, different looking executables. Also, there was a ton of uh, different junk code, uh, fake API calls, and other fairly sophisticated mechanisms that make analysis uh, more difficult. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned, this was a, you know, these are a series of spam campaigns. So what can you tell us about the techniques that the actor's using here? You know, is there any common threads between the lure documents or the subjects of the emails or anything like that? So I think this was one of the most interesting uh, characteristics of these particular campaigns was how they were actually reaching out to victims. So rather than creating a, an email and sending it from a malicious email server, they were actually finding websites on the internet with uh, contact forms exposed, and they were actually using the websites, the legitimate websites contact form to uh, construct a message, uh, and they were putting a link in the message 
Uh, then the, uh, the legitimate website was actually generating the email that was sent to the victim. So the victim would get an email from their legitimate, you know, webmaster ad or their legitimate web server, uh, that contained a link to uh, Google drive where they were actually hosting the malicious documents that started the infection chain. So it was a pretty unique way to, uh, to actually get the malicious content to victims. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, lastly, as always want to talk about coverage. Uh, obviously in terms of pre- prevention, we've always got our standard rules for, um, you know, detecting spam and keeping an eye out for phishing campaigns. Uh, and so outside of that, is there anything specific to Southworm that people should be looking out for? Uh, so um, we released a, a snort coverage uh, for this particular threat. And so we have coverage across all of the different products that Cisco offers um, based on, you know, the different characteristics that we identified associated with this malware. So if you're, if you're leveraging uh, that protection mechanism, you should be covered. Mm-hmm. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks as always, Edmund, for coming on and uh, talking to us about the latest threats. And I'm sure we'll be talking to, to you again soon. Sounds good. Thanks for having me.